0: It's Around the League from UGASports.com with the Hall of Fame head coach Jim Donnan and Brent Rollins. I am Dane Young. Guys, I'm used to coming on here and bragging about the SEC year after year and how great it is. And this is the second week in a row SEC took its lumps, Brent.
1: Yeah, and it's one of those ones where I think after two weeks, now granted Alabama can get on a roll and win out. And like There's there's possibilities, but the SEC's kind of hopes for the playoff rest in Georgia's hands almost. And it's one because when you get to the end of the season, you if you stack a bunch of twelve and one conference championship teams, they're going to have the victory over the it's the better victory. So it's going to be interesting as we go forth here into the league play. No question about it. I mean,
2: the way the things set up with the four teams, uh, and there's so many good teams that are probably going to be undefeated. You know, uh, around the country. I mean, people can say what they want to about USC's defense, but their offense. Uh, just incredible athletes they have over there, and they got a good kicking game. And then Ohio State, Michigan, and you saw what Texas is all about. Uh, Florida State, and uh, certainly Miami looks a little bit better. So it's going to be hard to get two teams in from our league.
0: Watch out for Notre Dame too. I mean, the the path is there for the Irish. No um, question. No question. Thanks to Breda Pest Management, Conagrating, and Landscaping. We'll talk about them throughout the show. They present around the league, very loyal to us, so please be loyal to them. Uh, guys, I want to start with what I think is a pretty pivotal game in the SEC West. And Brent, I'm going to kick it off with you. Number 14, at, uh, LSU is a nine-and-a-half-point favorite in Starkville. 11 o'clock local time kick, 12 Eastern. you like LSU to bounce back, or do you think this running attack, lead rusher in the SEC for Mississippi State,
1: So if I was going to tell you that there was a team in the SEC with the name Bulldogs that was number three in the power five in terms of run play percentage, you probably wouldn't have guessed Mississippi state, but they're third, third in the power five, almost 60% run right now. Rogers will Rogers is like, Hey, I'm still here. I can throw it. I mean, but it's also, it's protecting their game. But what's amazing about that game is Arizona had four turnovers or four or five turnovers. They were, Mississippi State was plus four in the turnover and still had to go to overtime uh, to beat them. But it's does this sort of new style of play and being at home does that translate into a victory over LSU? I, this is going to be, like you said, I think it's the most intriguing game of the week. Yeah, they're going to have to score some points though against LSU because they, they're
2: going to they're going to have a hard time the way LSU can function on offense. And certainly they have their troubles with FSU, but. Uh, You know, Zach's taking over that team. He's putting his imprint on it with, uh, you know, play good defense, have a running game, and not just, you know, three and out so many times like they used to have with Air Raid. And we'll see this around the country. Teams can uh, eat up the clock with this new clock, the way we have to manage it. So, uh, But I I think overall, LSU learned a lesson a little bit about maybe weren't as good as they thought they were, but if they play up to their potential, they could maybe be pretty good, so uh, I think it'll be difficult for the bullies to win this game.
0: Yeah, Coach, I kind of see this as if State stays in it, it's just going to be one of those old school SEC games that it stays in the teens and LSU mm-hmm. just has trouble scoring, that kind of game.
2: Yeah, exactly. Uh, but let's give a little bit of credit for the win, though, because Arizona markedly improved over the last three years. I mean, they terrible the first year. Last year got better. They've got a lot of transfers, and to be that close on the road with four turnovers uh, speaks what kind of team they got.
0: Coach, I want to stick with you because in the SEC East, it's all about Tennessee and Florida. And Tennessee, not a great history down in Gainesville, but a seven-point favorite on the road against uh, the lowly Gators right now. The best thing that
2: could happen to the Gators was Austin P because Austin P played very good against uh, the, the – and took some chances and made it work. And then, and of course, Milton forced – uh, you know, forced Milton in some mistakes, not being able to hit the easy throws. And uh, defensively, uh, you, you know, they took some chances too. But the reason I said that is everybody's been bagging on Florida so bad. But, uh, you know, thinking about how good Tennessee was, but it, they were exposed a little bit. So maybe playing at the Swamp, knowing they haven't beaten you since – Maybe uh, Clinton was president. I don't even know who was president then, but down there it's 20-some years. So it's going to be a a, a game where uh, Florida's got to do a lot better, though, than they've done uh, as far as game management, not getting the timeouts and the penalties and things like that. But I think the line's pretty close to what the game's going to be like. I don't see Tennessee romping them.
0: Can I ask you a question though, Coach? About because like I just did this, but I hear it all over media where people say, "Well, Tennessee hasn't won a Gainesville in so long." Do players ever have context or care about that? Because those players weren't on those teams. That's true, and that's one thing you talk to them about. Say most of you guys
2: get too caught up and listening to, to media and stuff. Uh, you don't need to. And it's just the fact that you none know, of you were on the. This, you've only been down here once. We lost the one time we played as a team here, so we can't get too caught up in all that. But it's still in the back of their minds. And, and all of a sudden, when you get a tip pass for an Oski or you, uh, somebody blocks a punter, you, you, you might be saying, here we go again, and it, it's in your mind. But uh, it's not as much with the players as maybe it is with the fans, don't you think, Brent?
1: I think it's more the fan, the the vibe in the stadium and the team, you know, the home team, the sort of knowing that we ha- we can create an advantage uh, in a certain instance like that. But, yeah, players, I mean, some of them probably weren't even born the last time that, that Tennessee won in, in Gainesville. Yeah, and the
2: Gators, by any stretch of the imagination, they're about 13 months pregnant as far as their fans wanting something good to happen. So if, if they want to cheer for them and, and not find things wrong. So uh, it, it's the best place for them to be playing them early in the year where they you don't have a lot of tape on them. They got a lot of transfers. And they're playing at home, so th- from that standpoint, it helps the Gators. But uh, Tennessee should win, but
1: stranger things have happened. I don't. I could see Florida winning this game, and for for one reason, I think they have the better quarterback. Like even right now, higher passing grade, yards per attempt, big time throw percentage, completion percentage, turnover plays, all that. Mertz is better, and he's played better. Milton's one of nine for 17 yards under pressure. And you've got sort of Kirby Smart's mini me, the guy that from Florida's defensive coordinator from the offseason interview. I'll, I'll never forget that. But, you know, his a big opportunity for him and his defense. And also, Tennessee can't, hasn't pass block like some of the one of the lowest pass block grades they've had over the past two years was the last week against Austin P. The right tackle, uh, Crawford, had a zero, 0.0. Pass block grade. First time I've ever seen that, (laughs) looking at all the PFF grades. uh, How many many attempts did he have? Uh, He had like 19 pass block uh, reps, and they sort of switched back and forth with right tackles. So there could be some holes, and Milton could be under some pressure. Backs were bad in pressure. Crowd, all this. I could very much see, and I, I even think that Florida covers, if not wins the game. Yeah, the thing about Mertz is, you know, he just had the mo of
2: uh, not being able to deliver up there at Wisconsin, and you know, he did a pretty good job against Utah. He didn't have much help, that's for sure. And if they if they'll run the ball effectively and not just put it all in his hands, I think they got a good shot.
0: Brent, I'm going to stick with you for the next quarterback battle because Coach and I talked about it on Tuesday. Spencer Rattler, South Carolina, coming to Athens against Carson back and the Dogs. 27 and a half point
1: favorites, George over South Carolina. I think that number's right. uh, Especially given the history, especially given how much Kirby doesn't mind scoring against this, this team uh, in a way, but also like, you're going to see the ball in the air a lot, both of these teams right now, whether, you know, Kirby talked about it earlier in the week, the extension of the run game that is their screen and some of their, some of their passing game. But you know, just sheer numbers, they are in the top 10 in the Power 5 in terms of pass play percentage. Second, South Carolina's second in the SEC, sixth in the Power 5, Georgia's third in the SEC, and eighth in the Power 5 in terms of throwing the ball. So you're going to see the ball in the air a lot. I think Rattler's yards, uh, average depth of target is only like seven yards. It's going to be quick. Ball's out. He's taking care of the ball. He has zero turnover where he plays uh, through the first two games. But uh, the, I'm interested to see – does Juice Wells for for South Carolina play and how effective is he? Because he's literally non-existent uh, in the box score, even though he's played Leggett's leading the SEC in receiving yards. And uh, for for Georgia, I want to see how does Carson back handle a little bit of pressure? Because I think he's going to get at least a little bit of pressure uh, in this game, unlike he has uh, in the previous two.
0: Uh, that's the games in the conference this week we uh will talk about the ones out of the conference uh in just a minute but i want to tell you about our friends over at breda pest management so this is the official pest management of the georgia bulldogs so sanford stadium stagman coliseum foley field ramsey center breda pest protects them all very simple go to BredaPest.com, and you can sign up and get them to come be the pest control company that helps your house. You don't want bugs around your house. You want to get all those things away and make sure that your home tailgate is great for football season. Uh, They they do a lot of work around high school football uh, around North Georgia. And again, the official pest control, pest management company of the Georgia Bulldogs, BredaPest.com. Coach, a game that I am intrigued by, and it's an early kickoff, noon Eastern, noon Eastern, 11 central Kansas state at Missouri, Kansas state five point favorite on the road, but Missouri found a way a tough win still two and zero for the Tigers.
2: Yeah. I just hadn't seen anything out of Missouri that makes me think that, that they've got the firepower to hang with uh, K state. Uh, uh, I think K state's going to be a, a, a really tough team to beat in the big 12. The way they got the schedule now, uh, they, they don't play everybody now. You, you got so I, I know Oklahoma doesn't play, K-State. There, there's a lot of games that normally you'd be playing, but with Central Florida and Cincinnati and these other teams, BYU coming in the league. Uh, so, I, I think K-State's got to be right up there as a favorite to win the league. And the Missouri's not that. Certainly got a pretty good defense, but uh, not much from from their offense to this point. And uh, they, you just can't. Rely on Luther Burden to do everything. They're going to do a good job. And the thing that hurts Case, K- the Missouri, that that Case State can do, they got good quarterback runs. They got built-in power plays, draws, everything. So they put a lot of pressure on on your defense with RPOs and quarterback runs. Uh, if Case State takes care of the ball, they should win this game.
1: I think so. And like Coach, like you said, Coach, it's basically been Luther Burden and Pete the running back. Like that's it. And Schrader, like in terms of production, just sheer number of players. Missouri's played South Dakota and then Middle Tennessee, sheer number of players that have gotten snaps in those two games on offense 19. Like for comparison, Georgia's played almost 40 players on offense in those two in the first two weeks. So it's just not a lot, not a lot of firepower. Special shout out to Kansas State, maybe get some time in this game. Uh, Linebacker, safety, uh, Jack Fabris, Coach John Fabris' son, double digit snaps. In each of the first two weeks, not missed a tackle. Already got four tackles. Played some on special teams as well. Local high school uh, alum and, and great kid all around. So North, North O'Connor Homer. Yes. Homer. Hey, hey give, give him some give love. That shout up. Give him some love. True freshman. Getting some time.
0: I'm a North Oak homer now, too. I'm adopted into it. Uh 730 Brent on SEC Network, Georgia Tech heading out to Ole Miss. I think there's some offensive firepower in this game from both sides. Uh two quarterbacks playing pretty well from what I've seen. Ole Miss
1: 18-point favorites at home. I think that's a good number. And but what was amazing, like we talked about it last week, how the two-lane game we thought, hey, this is gonna be a you know. Take the over. And I think Coach said take the over, and we were both very much, hey, definitely take the over. And in the first, like, two minutes, there were two touchdowns. Like, it was instant. You know, Ole Miss scored so quickly. And then all of a sudden, nothing for two quarters. But uh, like you said, two quarterbacks that are playing well. Haynes King uh, has done well for Tech. And then Jackson Dart, second-highest-graded quarterback uh, thus far. And just the transfer, the way they've worked the transfer portal. Their top four receivers in terms of targets, all transfers. Uh, The Trey Harris kid, Louisiana Tech transfer, five touchdowns already for Ole Miss. The other thing that was was interesting to see them and watching the game, because I watched a good bit of that game, is the pressure they were able to get on the quarterback. And names that, you know, don't really necessarily know, Ukwu or something like that from – that was a James Madison transfer, really good at James Madison, five pressures in a sack. And then J.J. Pegas, the kid who started out at tight end for Gus Malzahn, and now plays defensive played defensive line for Ole Miss last year. Again this year, all over the quarterback. You know, three, I think he had four pressures in a sack. So actually, something along the defensive line there. But it would have been great to see that game with Michael Pratt playing. I think it would have been the whole. Yeah, I would have
2: never called the over if I'd known he wasn't playing. I me mean, me either. He I agree. Scored a lot of points with your backup quarterback, although they were in a position there. You know, ahead of the game early. But uh, the thing that, that we've got to see out of Tech is can he, they don't need to get into a scoring battle because they don't make that many big plays. Of course, they made some against South Carolina State. But, uh, you know, they had a great first half in their opening game. But, you know, I, I really like King. I think he's a, a very good quarterback. Buster Faulkner's using him a lot of different ways. But the, the point that, that I would reiterate about, uh, Jackson Dark, is just the fact he was not much of a runner coming in from Southern Cal, but all of a sudden now he can get out of trouble. He can run the predetermined RPOs where the quarterback has a run based on the, uh, like most teams do with the with the running back, but they got runs with the quarterback on them. And uh, it, the Ole Miss all of a sudden looms as a heavy team to come in here and give Georgia some trouble more because there's nobody else than anything, but they got some athletes. That's for sure. It's going to be a question if they can handle success. You know, last year they could. They started out seven and zero and then faltered.
0: Ole Miss gets Alabama next week in Tuscaloosa. So get ready. The SEC is here. Um, gauntlet of a of a resume for BYU and Arkansas coach. I want to tell you the four teams that they have combined to play: Arkansas, Western Carolina, and Kent State. BYU, Sam Houston State, and Southern Utah. So I have no idea what either of these teams have other than K.J. Jefferson can still run up the middle. Arkansas, eight-point favorite at home.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, Western Carolina did beat Sanford last week, which is a a tough loss for uh, Sanford because, you know, that's a league game, and they've been kind of doing well in that conference. But uh, you're right about a very, uh, you know, very easy schedule for both teams. Hadn't seen much running game from uh, Arkansas at this point. I thought Rocket Sanders would be – you know, among the leaders in the country, but you got a new coach, a new system. They're used to running everything fast and doing all that complete opposite with the coordinator. They got now, he takes it down to the last second trying to get the best play kind of like Jimbo Fisher did. And, uh, so I don't, I don't know how they reacted to that defensively, uh, making some lost yardage plays, but they're also giving up some plays too. So, uh, BYU got a bunch of old men. I don't know if they get to bring their kids on the trip or not, but uh, <laughs> it's certainly going to be a, a, a different atmosphere for them playing in a SEC venue. So uh, it could go either way, though. You, you, they get you know BYU's a tough out.
1: What's interesting, you think about you know say the old men, BYU QB Kedon Slovis, former USC, former Pitt, taking the JT Daniels route of, of uh, around the college football world. Uh, but this is an you know, interesting kind of revenge game almost because Arkansas hung a 50 burger on uh, BYU last year. KJ Jefferson had five touchdowns against them. Up, you know, this year KJ Jefferson already the first two games. Which, by the way, Kent State played Arkansas decently well, uh, but you know Jefferson's played really, really well to this point. Uh, this far in the season, highest graded QB in the SEC, and again I mentioned it last week how the rarity of Arkansas having an 80 plus team grade on defense had it again even better defensively this past week against Kent State first time in the history of PFF grading the Arkansas has had back to back games above 80 in terms of overall team defense grade if they have another that'd be more than at any point in the season they've had a couple seasons where they've had two this a third would be would be historic uh, for them in a way in terms of PFF grading with their defense but hey if they show out keep showing out defensively I, again they're they're going to be the SEC West is a kind of a Almost anybody can get anybody feel to it, depending upon the day, based upon some of the things that areas of improvement in some of these other teams. Well, one of those
0: favorites in the West, Alabama, going to South Florida. This is one of those two-for-one return trip kind of things. Alabama, 32-point uh, favorite on the road as
1: Brent the Tide tries to, to heal the wounds a bit from that Texas sting. The on the road part is the I, – I, I knew this, but then I looked it up, this is the first time in 20 years that Alabama has played a non-Power 5 road game. Like, it's, ins- <laughs> it's unbelievable when you think about it. And actually, you look at uh, – I saw a number from Ross Dellinger that now does Yahoo. But there's over you know 1,500 college football games. There's only 20 games where a, non- or a Power 5 plays a true road game against a non-Power 5. This is one of them. So, uh, it just – what was interesting watching Alabama – in last week's game against texas was how their offense evolved over the course of the game and by the end of the game it was kind of like a youth league offense where just let's just go two by two we'll snap it to the qb let him run around a little bit and kind of if he throws it deep he's even gonna throw it deep or just make something happen with his legs like no true plan and you know obviously when you get down you kind of a new coordinator new quarterback you don't know what you have really and i think that's what's really a problem from this. They don't necessarily know what they have. Too much straight drop back, I think, with Milrow. I would have done a lot more uh, different with things with him, but they got physically whipped, that's for sure. Proctor, sure. Peyton Proctor, the freshman left tackle, got whipped all game long uh, versus Tech. Their interior their line got whipped all game long. And their defense,
2: visual coverage against Texas. I mean, uh, no sacks. Uh, and then quarterback, Ewers had a big-time game, and I would say that uh, just style-wise, they need to look how they can get Milro on the corner and uh, take pressure off their protection and whatever they got to do. But I, I think they kind of got delusions of grandeur when they jumped ahead 16-13 to 13 and, you know, felt like they had it under control because they hadn't lost a home game uh, against a, a non-SEC team in 43 games. So, but... You know, I, I think it's going to be Alabama's going to have to have the biggest room in the world, the room for improvement. They're going to have to have that to be a, a viable force this year.
0: Well, I, I know if you're listening to this, there's room for improvement with your yard and your landscaping. And I know, the people that, I know the people that can help you out with that. You know, I, when you talk to certain landscapers, they'll say, well, it's going to be a while before I can get you on the schedule. Or, uh, you know, we got to make sure we have the right equipment. in. this is one thing I love about Connor Grading and Landscaping is just the heavy equipment that they have in-house ready to roll. Um, they'll be able to get to you pretty quickly and get you on the schedule. So Connor Grading and Landscaping, com. You'll see just some of the equipment that uh, they have in their arsenal. And it really kind of helps you think just what your yard could. Could be. Uh, they can move the earth around. They can do some pavers. They can do a fire pit if you're interested in that. Bet you they can make a golf course in your backyard. Really creative minds over at Connor Grading and Landscaping. So call them up, tell them you heard about them on Around the League and, and just see what they can do for your yard. I think you'll be surprised with some of the ideas they come up with because they're the experts when it comes to making your yard look great. Um, Coach, I, let's go over to Sanford and Auburn. You mentioned uh, Sanford. Uh, th- this is a game that historically Auburn kind of struggles in these kind of games, especially coming off of this kind of road trip that Auburn did. Do you think Sanford's got anything for the Tigers? Yeah, you know, you look back, Jacksonville State had them
2: down a couple years ago. Georgia State was right on the cusp of winning there uh, in Harson's first year. Uh, they, they got every reason to overlook Sanford. But the thing that they played so poorly on offense, you know, when you look at the at the stats and look at some of the replays, Cal missed three field goals and then had another situation where they, I don't know what happened on one of them, but, uh, the, the reality is uh, Cal was in a position to win that game, but the defense reared up and, and made them kick field goals. And then the offense found some kind of semblance of a attack there to score there in the fourth quarter. But, uh, their their offense looks very woeful right now, and nobody can really muster anything unless you get Robbie Ashford on a zone read keep or something. But uh, Thune was, you know, he, he just up up and down uh, passing the ball. Uh, but you know they're gonna they got a chance. Of course, they got to play TCU next. I mean, excuse me, uh, Texas A and M next week. But they got a chance of being four and when the dogs come in there.
0: A win's a win. <laughs> <laughs> in advance, yeah. Um, Brent, I know you watch a lot of, uh, in the past at least, you've done some, some grading and, and coverage of Miami. Texas A&M, that loss that they had last week, coach mentions Auburn gets A&M next week. Well, this week A&M gets UL Monroe at home that's this SEC Network game at 4 o'clock. 36.5 point favorite for A&M. I was surprised that Miami was able to manhandle A&M to that extent. Were you?
1: Very. Uh, and it's just like the tackling and the secondary play, some of the worst maybe that we've seen in a long time. I mean, that was just beyond putrid. And the other part of that is, you think, all right, that part of it. Well, then we mentioned last week how much Wegman had gotten pressured against a really sort of bad opponent. He got pressured even more against even more against Miami, and now is in terms of the Power Five had. Over fifty percent pressure rate, the highest in the Power Five of anybody who's like has at least forty dropbacks. He's played really well. It's the sad part, but he is just running for his life or having to get the ball really, get rid of the ball really quickly. It's one of those things where Texas A ha- and like we talked about in the very beginning, they have the talent to compete week in and week out in the SEC. But and they might get somebody down the road, but if you can't consistently tackle and block. <laughs> them like Kentucky's another team to me that like tack blocking and tackling is a consistent struggle point for them thus far early in the season unless that improves they're going to be in trouble yeah I think A&M
2: the defense been listening to everybody about can Petrino call plays I mean the defense needs to figure out can we tackle uh they they you know it's just a the, the composite when you score that many points on the road and and really don't uh, get hurt with, with very many turnovers or, or mistakes, your defense has got to stand up. But, uh, you know, kick return-wise, they gave up a big kick return. They, they, they All the little things to help your offense, they got nothing. Uh, so – and, you know, Jimbo was talking today about how good Wigman's throwing under pressure. He better because that's all he gets to throw under. So, uh, <laughs> they, they, uh, they've just got uh, – the talent may be to be pretty good but there comes a point where you can't keep talking about potential you got to talk about performance hey i don't want to hear what we should be able to do let's do it you know two years ago they were in the orange bowl and people were talking about them they should have been in the playoff and since then they've been lowered and well manure i don't know what are they lost like, six out of their last eight games or it's, it's it's incredible i know that y'all know those stats but uh, I got friends on the staff. I'm pulling hard for them, but I'm just telling you, their, their team right now needs to get a good sense of direction. And you watch Louisiana Monroe. They'll go in there and they'll work that clock. And uh I, I really feel like they'll cover that spread.
0: I agree with you. Uh, Coach, battle of the party city here with uh, Vandy going out to UNLV. Vandy, four-point favorite uh, on the road. But I will point out, Wake Forest could do whatever it wanted to against Vandy. ran for 288 yards, had an efficient passing attack, just shot 200, threw for two touchdowns. I thought Wake Forest did exactly what they wanted to offensively against that Vandy defense.
2: I was so fired up about getting to watch Vandy live one time because I always watch them. It started 11 a.m. You know, you're going to get to see a little bit before the other games. And about six plays into it, they got a uh, you know, everything, lightning delay. And then and that helped them over the course of the game, just the, the fact that there was so much delay involved. And, uh, you know, Wake Forest couldn't get a lot of momentum. But Wake Forest is a good football team. Got a lot of good players on both sides of the ball. And, uh, you know, it just shows you right now, uh, Vanderbilt's not there personnel-wise. They don't have the people to cover you. They don't have the people to tackle you in space. Got a good coach and, you know, pretty good quarterback. But they're going to go out there against Coach Odom, who used to be the coach in Missouri, D coordinator at Arkansas. He knows Vanderbilt. Uh, I don't know how good their team is, but uh, I, that's a game, four points. Who knows what's going to happen? But Vanderbilt disappointed me all year against Hawaii. That game last week, I just think Vanderbilt doesn't look as good as I hoped they would be.
1: Going Las Vegas over Nash Vegas.
0: There's going to be a lot of bets made on that game and no one knows what's going to happen. That's exactly <laughs> Uh final game in the sec this week. Akron at Kentucky uh, thoughts with Liam Cohen, who had a medical episode offensive coordinator, play caller for Kentucky. He will be calling plays for this game. He's back there. So we're glad to hear that.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's one where what's interesting about that. You, he comes back, they have receivers and they get a, very experienced in what some sort of pointed to as a top QB transfer. Well, through two games, Leary is the only QB in the sec with less than 60% completion. Only one, every other starter, at least above 60% completion. So like there's been a lot of inconsistencies with Kentucky. And it's something, same thing sort of pointing out with that. And they just don't block and tackle. Well, and this is a block and tackle. Well game and, and league and, now, granted, they're playing Akron, and they're going to be just – they should be just fine and take care of Akron, but we also thought that he'd be just fine against Eastern Kentucky. So, you know, it's one of those where I, can they get some form of rhythm? Can they get the quarterback in a much better rhythm and have some success in that realm? Because until then, like, they're going to – points are going to be at a premium. Well, one
2: of the reasons to, to watch around the league is for – to get some tips, and we told you Eastern Kentucky would play them rough because – that's a big game for them. These kids grow up in Kentucky, got a chance to go over Commonwealth Stadium for one time in their life, and they, they played really good. I mean, even though they got swamped the week before, but you're going to get their best shot like that. And this week, you're going to get a, a well-coached team, regardless of their talent, because Joe Moorhead can right. call some ball. He was a great pick, uh, coordinator when he was at Fordham and head coach there. He did a terrific job for Penn State. Didn't get enough time at, at – uh, Mississippi State and did a good job for Oregon, among which they beat Ohio State on the road. This guy knows how to attack you. You better be ready, Kentucky. But Kentucky's got better players.
0: Coach, overall, it seems like SEC struggling, um, just as a conference, especially at a conference. We haven't seen a whole lot of SEC versus SEC. Is there a theme? Is there something you're noticing that's responsible for some of this? Or is it just that... Players are transferring around, and so there's more talent spread out than there has been in the last decade.
2: Well, it's a combination of the portal, losing players and gaining players. But I think more than anything is every team's got to establish its own identity. Forget about reading the press clips. Just because you're in the SEC, that doesn't give you the right to think you're a good football team. You've got to earn that right. And a couple of these teams didn't do that in non-conference games. And I think it it rose up and bit them there because they weren't ready to play and they got outplayed. Uh, Every one of these teams that play SEC, I mean, those coaches that are motivating them and say, look, we got a chance. And now that they've seen that they were vulnerable in the league with so many of these teams, these guys are going to play even better because you don't have that added disadvantage of the other team thinking, hey, well, you know, we're going to play SEC. We don't have much of a chance. But uh, I think this league right now, not the kind of league that I'm used to watching, and uh, I hate that. But I like it for Georgia's sake.
1: It's QBs too, like Bryce Young, Stetson Bennett, Hooker. I mean, and then you had two other guys. While they didn't have you know great success at college at the college level, and Levis and Richardson, were picked in the top you know thirty, top forty picks. Like when you break in new QBs, that's where you can get teams, and the talent is there, sort of top to bottom, but it's still the most important position in football. And, you know, when you have new guys there, that, that I think you're going to get and see struggles. And new coaches, yep. uh, new, new assistant coaches, staff
2: changes. Uh, you don't know how guys are going to react. You don't know how your players are going to react because you haven't coached them in pressure situations and you haven't been under that kind of pressure. There's a lot of difference to me in coaching a game in Lincoln, Nebraska, when they got a 30-second clock and coaching a game uh, over there someplace else when I was a younger coach, my heart rate was pretty high. And it's just a different vibe calling place. And I'm not bragging about the fact we won. I'm just saying there's an inherent pressure against the better teams to deliver, thinking, you know, I used to sit in my bedroom the night before a game worried if we are going to make a first down against them. You know, we were able to do it. But it's just a – it's a pressure-packed game here. And, you, you know, we talk about – all-conference players and things like that, you got to have some all-conference coaches because the guys you're going against are the real deal, coaching-wise. And if you're not ready for them,
0: they'll whip your ass. Well, I'm excited to see if we're having the same kind of discussions uh, around week nine and 10 as we are week three, because uh, there's a lot of room for improvement, as you said, coach, in the SEC. And we'll chronicle it the whole way here on Around the League from UGA Sports.com. Thank you, Connor Grading and Landscaping and Breda Pest. Please support them because they support us. We will see you all next week here for our week four preview, which is going to be a loaded slate of college big. Next week's so big. Next next week week's is week's big. A big we might have
2: to do a double header next week.
0: Have a good one, everyone. Thanks for listening.